for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was going through my books, all the books, because uh, I had to kind of organize them and get rid of some of them. And um, I had some help doing it. And um, I, I came across so many old books um, that I've been collecting for the last like 15 years or so, most of which I actually haven't read yet. But, um, you know, they actually um, commented, some, someone commented, you have so many books from John Maxwell. Uh, and if you know John Maxwell, some of you may know, um, he's written a lot of books on leadership. And, you know, a couple of days ago, I talked about the leadership of Jesus, right? But um, John Maxwell is kind of my go-to, and I've been collecting his books uh, because I had a big heart for leadership and to grow as a leader. And, um, yeah, if you would like to grow as a leader, I recommend you, uh, John Maxwell, uh, as well. But I also came across a couple of really old books by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He theolo was a theologian, uh, but also pastor during the time of World War II. And in particular, one book that's a little bit thicker than some of the other ones, The Cost of Discipleship. And this book was such an immensely impacting book about how we are today, well, in his time today, that was like 50, 60 years ago, people want discipleship that are cheap, grace that is cheap, and they want things that are easy. But there is a cost to it, as some of your Bibles with the subtitles will also say, the cost of following Jesus. Yeah. So let's read the passage, and then we will continue. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The most memorable uh, quote for me from uh, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the most impacting um, of the quote is says, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Wow, I really hope that you will read this book, um, especially talking about discipleship the last couple of days. 
Now, last month, um, I had the privilege of preaching on the Beatitudes uh, found in Matthew chapter 5. Now, Luke actually has a Beatitude as well, a slightly different version. Now, while I was kind of preparing, I realized that people, and myself included, misunderstand and have misunderstood that passage as teaching us how to get blessings. Right? They see, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we wonder how we can be poor in spirit, right? how we can be meek and how we can mourn and so on, so we can be blessed. Because we all want to be blessed. Like kind of that is the natural focus and preoccupation that we have, whether we're Christians or not, believers or not, young and old, we want to be blessed because the idea of blessing is a good and positive thing. Now, basically, long sermon short, the blessings are actually what comes at the end of the verses, you know, having the kingdom of heaven, receiving um, comfort and so forth. Um, You know, if you are curious, you can email me or ask me and I can send you a link if you're very curious. But like, why am I talking about this? Because thinking about what Bonhoeffer wrote, you know, the quote that I just read just before, we so easily focus on the benefits first, and sometimes the benefits only. That's all we care about sometimes, right? We want to receive forgiveness, you know, period, end. We want, to, we want the baptism, the salvation, and everything that good that comes with it. We want absolution from sin, right? No guilt. Who wouldn't want that? Grace and mercy, right? Without the commandments, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, to obey, the relationships to foster, and God to surrender to and to obey. You know, it'd be like sports fans and pundits who do not have any skills in the sports that they are watching and talking about. And, you know, and they like yelling at the players on, you know, on TV and saying, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that? How could you make that mistake? You know, I'm sure, you know, we might do that as well sometimes, right? From the sofa, from the comfort of our living room. You know, people who could barely run a kilometer criticizing the stamina and the speed of the players on the field, criticizing their decision-making and, you know, why didn't you jump high enough? How could you miss that header, miss that kick and so forth when we ourselves have, like, no skills to do any of that? Um, Remember, you know, my Spider-Man reverse anecdote from three days ago, all right? If you don't, you can watch, you can watch that, like, later. Jesus calls us to a great responsibility, and for that, he gives us great powers to match so that, we can, so that we can carry out what he has called us to do. Today's passage is a sobering reminder to not be caught up with the power that Jesus gave us, right, over the responsibilities that we have been called to. The passage begins with James and John suggesting to Jesus that they call down fire from heaven to destroy a village full of people because they didn't welcome Jesus and the disciples to the village. Like, think about that. James and John, shall we call down fire, rain down fire from heaven to destroy this village? Wow, right? Think about that. Now, remember the last two days we've been talking about how the disciples have been misunderstanding and they had a lack of understanding of the true nature of Jesus's identity and mission. And this is a perfect, if not kind of the most dramatic and most ridiculous example. James and John think they are on some kind of a conquest through the land, marching through and going towards Jerusalem, culminating in a grand entrance where people will rise up overthrow the oppressors um, and proclaim Jesus as king of Israel. And then after that, they would, you know, you get the point, right? They're going to go out and conquer other nations. I don't know. 
But these disciples were thinking of the power to be wielded like a weapon of conquest without any implications, without anything to deserve or to earn it, to think, should they? Do they have any right to? So Jesus rebukes them, and then Luke continues with a series of short conversations um, in the true meaning of being a follower and disciple of Jesus. And um, just as he declared, you know, just as David declared that he will not offer a sacrifice that costs him nothing, so our discipleship has a cost of self-denial, taking up one's cross daily, and following Jesus. And, you know, into real conditions. These are real-life, everyday conditions of discipleship. And there are three kind of short conversations uh, that we can read about. Now, you know, Jesus says that, you know, the Son of Man has no pillow, has no place to lay his head. And what this is talking about, that, you know, animals can adopt to nature. They can live anywhere, right? I have a dog. He sleeps on a rug. He sleeps on my feet. He sleeps on the, you know, bathroom mat, my towel sometimes if it falls to the ground. They'll adapt. But Jesus even as the Son of Man who came to earth, this is not his home. This is his creation, but it's not his home. And so likewise, this is not our home. As we follow Jesus, the world should become more and more of an alien place and not a, such a, a familiar and comfortable place. And then secondly, where, where he says, you know, let the dead bury them, themselves or bury the own dead. Now, the dead here is talking about the spiritually dead. It's not a literal dead, it's a figurative dead. But it also you know, shows that in the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaims, he takes precedence over anything that came before him. He fulfills the law. And even the dead and the ceremony that you, know, you should perform, he comes before all of that, even in the respecting of the dead. And finally, you cannot call Lord uh, Jesus Lord but then impose limits on his lordship, as in, you know, I'll follow you when I can, you know, if I can, kind of thing. And that picture of having, you know, one hand on the plow while looking back, you know, test it yourself. Try to walk like this. You will walk in a circle, right? We, as followers of Jesus, should be going straight towards our mission and purpose, not in a circle. This is the cost of discipleship that Jesus is teaching us in today's passage. I think today's passage is teaching us to reflect on our own discipleship right now. And, you know, during COVID, it's been like almost two years, right? In a couple of weeks, it's like a two-year anniversary kind of thing. Um, with online services, metaverse and so forth, YouTube streaming, YouTube videos that you can watch anytime, worship live anytime kind of an idea, church, worship, discipleship has become very, very comfortable. You could worship God in your underwear, in the privacy of your own bathroom or bedroom. You get the picture. We need to think about, is there a cost? Have I become so complacent and comfortable that there is no cost to my discipleship. Today is a wake-up call, church, for us to reconsider ourselves. And also thinking about the beginning of the passage, James and John, who wanted to call down fire, right? In society, are we so righteous that we consider other people in sin and think about calling down fire from heaven to judge? 
We are not the judge. Only God can judge. We are called to love. A couple of days ago, I talked about how we need to even learn how to depend on people who do not believe in Jesus. That is the cost of discipleship, that risk and vulnerability. So, what is your cost? Do you have a costly discipleship today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this powerful passage, Lord, and message of the cost of following you, the cost of discipleship. And God, in humility, we ask you, your Holy Spirit, to reveal to us our complacencies. If we are too comfortable, if we have become too lazy in our discipleship, in our following after you, Lord, in your love and in your mercy and grace, may you reveal the truth to us. And may we follow after you fervently, all in, O God, to the calling that you have um, given us, the responsibilities, Lord, and the power that comes with that as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing your soul,